Welcome to Fourth and Two Strikes. I am your host, Cole Lanny, and today we're going to be talking about Super Bowl 56. Super Bowl 56 took place last Sunday, and we have a new NFL champion. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams on winning their first Super Bowl in Los Angeles, second as a franchise, along with the Kurt Warner-led Rams back in 1999. Very happy to see them win. I was very much rooting for them. I want to see Matthew Stafford succeed and reach the top of the mountain of sorts because of how talented he's been in the organization, which he's been stuck in in Detroit until this year. And it was awesome to see when he got an actual team around him that wasn't the Lions, him win the whole thing. It was awesome to see. So the Los Angeles Rams defeated the Cincinnati Bengals by a score of 23 to 20. Great football game. I really did enjoy it, which is slightly off from my prediction. I predicted Rams win 30 to 20. So I got the Bengals score of 20 right. I figured that they were going to get a couple touchdowns and a couple field goals. I just thought maybe the Rams, I guess, were going to capitalize on one more touchdown. I personally was thinking maybe there was going to be like a defensive touchdown at the end of that game, which could have been very possible and I could have been dead on. but. I wasn't 20-30-20. I got the Bengals score right. I missed the Rams by seven. I call that a pretty good prediction. I was right on who won. And I felt like I did really good with the matchups too. On some of the key matchups I talked about in the last episode, I felt like those really did come to life, and I felt like we got to see a lot of them, which we're going to talk about in a bit here. But I just want to just talk about Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford was drafted first overall to the Lions. Back in 2009. And the reason the Lions had that first overall pick was because they didn't win a game in 08. They were the first team in history to go 0 and 16. What an awful team that was. Epitomized by Jared Allen chasing Dan Orlovsky through the back of the end zone and him taking a safety on his drops drop set. What a team that was. And then Stafford comes in, and then we all remember the moments of him with the against the Browns where he dislocates his shoulder, he gets back up, he takes him on a game-winning drive. We remember the games against Dallas in which he let a win, but the big thing about his tenure in Detroit was he never won a playoff game. And, yes, that's on him a little bit, and he didn't play great in any of those playoff games. I specifically remember him playing against Seattle years ago when he did not play good at all, but... I don't want to say I'm going to give him a pass, but he played for the Lions. And to see how supremely talented he is and to see him succeed right now just shows how good Stafford is and that the Lions really did hold him back as a quarterback, especially those last couple years when they hired Matt Patricia to be the head coach. I really didn't understand the hire at the time, and I really didn't understand it after a couple of weeks. I thought that was awful. And I'm happy that he was able to pick his location on where he would like to be traded. And I'm happy the Rams got him. And the Rams showed that you could, I don't want to say buy a Super Bowl, but trade all your picks away and you can win a Super Bowl. I mean, look at the guys that had impacts in that game. Stafford, you traded a first this year, a first next year, and Jared Goff for. You traded a second for Vaughn Miller and a couple other picks. You gave away all your cap draft capital in the upper rounds, but you created a Super Bowl winning roster. And you know, they've been doing this for years now. They traded two first round picks for Jalen Ramsey. And 
these are all key contributors on the team. And they had Aaron Donald there in place before McVay's era. And that helps absolutely. But the way that Les Snead has been able to wheel and deal with McVay, and they've been able to get playmakers on both sides of the ball very consistently, it just is a testament to the amazing culture that has been created in Los Angeles under McVay, which he's not retiring. I don't, I'd never understood those speculation. This guy loves coaching more than anything. He's right in his coaching prime. He's 36 years old or 37. He's got many more years ahead of him before he will go in the booth. He's, there's no point of him going to the booth right now. He would regret wasting these prime years, especially with a roster in which they have, which they have some construction to do on that roster. And I'll talk about that in a bit here, but, the Rams as a team is the team everyone wants to go play for. I mean, look, let's look at OBJ. Yes, he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl, and man, was he having a great game until then. But he was a guy that I know, I know the market wasn't exactly huge for him, but there was a market, but he wanted to go to Los Angeles. And it worked out. We know Robert Woods got injured the following week and tore his ACL, and he became a big key role in that offense, especially in the playoffs and then later in the season. But he was a guy that like got cast cast off from the Browns. No one wanted him, and that's also a testament to how bad the Browns are as are of an organization. But I'm not going to get into that in this episode. But oh, the talent on that team is ridiculous with guys like OBJ, Cooper Cup, who was a late round steal years ago in the draft. They capitalize on their draft picks when they have them, but they also capitalize on getting guys that they need, like a guy like Leonard Floyd who used to play for the Bears and didn't pan out too well. Well, he's now in Los Angeles doing really well. You got Ramsey. You got guys on that team that you didn't expect to make an impact, and they were even shorthanded. They didn't have their starting tight end, Tyler Higby, and they their offensive pieces got decimated. You brought in an aging Andrew Whitworth. It would be great for him for winning a title. I want to talk about him in a sec. But the team, the culture in which you create in Los Angeles is undefeated right now. And everybody wants to go play for the Rams. Everybody wants to go play with McVay. And now that they have a ring on their finger, all of them, they're the number one destination for any free agent that wants to win and have fun. Yes, they, I know they don't have the funds to go do that. But that, the fact that if you ask people in the NFL what team would they want to go play for, I bet you most of them would answer the Los Angeles Rams right now. Let's talk Andrew Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth played his first, I believe, 11 seasons in the NFL with the Bengals, and it just moved over the Rams just a few years ago. Left tackle, amazing left tackle. for Oldest player in the league right now, he's 40. Oldest left tackle in history at 40. He was a high school state champion, a national champ at LSU, and now he's a Super Bowl champ. And he was a Walter Payton Man of the Year recipient the previous couple of days at NFL Honors. So I was so awesome to see him win his Super Bowl. And I he's going to retire. And he only has four Pro Bowls under his belt. But with the Walter, Main, Walter Payton Man of the Year award and just the pedigree and the character in which he is, I think he should garner Hall of Fame votes. I, I know offensive linemen really struggle getting in. Like a guy like Alan Fanica, for example, should have been in way before he ever did. But I think Whitworth has a chance, maybe. I don't know. He should garner votes. Also, I feel really good for Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, Pittsburgh product. Universe, went to Penn Hills and the University of Pittsburgh. What 
a freak of nature. Aaron Donald has been in the league for eight years. His first year, he won Defensive Rookie of the Year. And since then, he's rattled off seven consecutive first-team All-Pros, three Defensive Player of the Year awards, and is the best defensive player in the league and has been for at least the last five years. He, in my opinion, is going to go down as a top, I think he's easily right now a top three defensive player of all time. It's him, LT, Reggie White. They're in their own category of themselves. Aaron Donald plays interior defensive line and ended up with a year a couple years ago with 20 sacks. He, I think, put up like 12 and a half this year. He gets double team consistently. He is 290 pounds, has an eight pack. He is a freak. And you saw when he took the game over. I think Aaron Donald should have won Super Bowl MVP. Nothing against Cooper Cup. But some of the plays that he made, like Stafford throws that interception in the third quarter right after the touchdown to Higgins. He throws that interception, and Aaron Donald on third down goes and sacks Burrow, like single-handedly dumps the guard and goes right into Burrow. That play is humongous. You hold them to a field goal, and you keep the momentum not going completely their way. Now you're only down a score. You're only down seven, not down the 11 that you could have been with a touchdown there. So a big play like that. Then you watch the third and one at the very end of the game. He makes an unbelievable stop on Samaj P. Ryan, which the ball should have been a mix in. Everyone knows. If you're going to run the ball, why are you giving it to your backup running back? Give it to your star running back who you paid a lot of money, who put up over 1,200 yards from scrimmage this year. Give him the ball to get the third down. Do not give it to Samaj P. Ryan just because he was good at Oklahoma years ago. You fooled nobody with that call. And Aaron, especially Aaron Donald, he un- unbelievably got double teamed and then spun around and grabbed him. He didn't get the first. And then the last play of the game was all up in Burroughs' grill and almost sacked him to end the game. To me, that's the Super Bowl MVP. He had two sacks, just dominated at every level. He is unbelievable. And. There was rumors about him retiring. I don't think he would, will, but if he did, he would be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's like Luke Keekley. He could retire tomorrow and be a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt in my mind. So let's talk about some of the matchups that were really, really fun to watch during that Super Bowl and the keys that I talked about in the previous episode. I talked about the defensive line of the Rams versus the offensive line of the Bengals. Well, Joe Burrow got sacked a Super Bowl record tying seven times. I said if they get home five times, I'd be shocked if the Bengals won the game. Well, Rams won the game, so it was right there. And I talked about who's going to cover Cooper Cup. Well, for a bit there, they did a pretty good job until the last drive where I think he had four catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown, which he amazingly got the game-winning touchdown over Eli Apple, who liked to talk all week and now can't and now is being getting crushed on Twitter. The last couple of days, he's been a living meme and has been hilarious to see. So, and Mike Hilton, he also burned, yeah, I believe he burned Mike Hilton at some point, but they didn't know when to cover him. I know he only had 90 yards, which was amazingly under his projection and eight catches, but he won Super Bowl MVP, he had two touchdowns. So, obviously, he didn't blanket him well enough. And then I also talked about the matchup of Jamar Chase versus Higgins or or uh, Ramsey against Higgins or Chase. And that was really fun to watch. Ramsey had a rough day, had a really rough day. He got burned on that first 
early in the game to chase on that 42-yard catch. And then after that chase was really quiet, he didn't do that much. He only had 89 yards and four more catches in that game. That was like a 42-yard catch. So that's he barely had the production that you would like to have seen. Higgins ended up with 100 yards, but he had a 75-yard touchdown in which Ramsey I didn't get beat because he got a face mask. He he got he got it, the Higgins fingers went into his mask, slid him. It's a clear face mask miss miss. I don't know how that is possible to miss that big of a call. And he got burned for a seventy five yard touchdown. And then he got burned on the last play of the game, but Burrow didn't have enough time because Aaron Donald saved him to almost sack Burrow and end up having to dump the pass off. So wildly entertaining to watch some of those key matchups I talked about. Von Miller had two sacks. Aaron Donald, like I had previously mentioned, had two sacks. Jesse Bates had a pick. There was a lot of fun football to watch in that game, a lot of back and forth. But I think the real reason you we sit here today and the Rams won is I think it's pretty clear that the Bengals got too conservative near the end of the game, and they had to get the ball out of Burrow's hands as fast as he could because he was getting killed. And then caught up to them. They didn't do anything the last couple of possessions. They scored very early in the third after the first play touchdown. Then they get the pick, and then they go down and get the field goal. But after that, they didn't score in the second half. And I felt they got extremely conservative, a lot like, I want to say, like the Niners two years ago feeling, where it just felt like they were holding on, but it wasn't you could have lost it at any second to how dominant of an offense that was against them. And Burrow didn't play great. He didn't play his best. I think he played pretty well, but he had two big plays. So if you take those away, which I know it's it's very counterintuitive to take big plays away, but if you took away the 75-yard touchdown, that was clearly a flag. He only had like 160 passing yards. So not his best day by no means. And the offense of the Bengals did very much sputter near the end there, and the Rams' offense didn't. And I don't want to hear that the Rams offense was benefited by a penalty on Logan Wilson, the hold near the goal line on third and goal when the pass went the went the cup. That's a hold. And I, I know they were letting him play all day, but you got away with the biggest call of the game at earlier, where it was a clear face mask and you got a free touchdown. That did not give him a free touchdown. That gave him a free chance to get a touchdown. It was on third and goal as well, not fourth. So they would have had another play to dial up. So the Bengals fans that are complaining, I don't want to hear it. It's NFL officiating for you. We all know it's bad, but do not complain about that call if you had the biggest call of the game earlier. So I, I do not want to hear the complaining from Cincinnati Bengals fans right now about that. So that that really epitomized the game. The penalty, I know everyone's freaking out about. I don't care. And to see the Bengals get very conservative, Zach Taylor really – Felt like limit the playbook down to a couple of things hurt them. And I felt like the inexperience of everyone on that team really did hurt them in the end. And the experience of McVay and being there and knowing you got to take the shots like you didn't a couple of years ago against the Patriots where they only scored three points. Good game. Really good game. I felt like it wasn't as close as maybe the score indicated. I felt the Rams really dominated that game to a degree. A couple of big turnovers. For the Rams, made it closer. The Jesse Bates interception on Stafford was bad. That was just an underthrown pass deep in the end zone, which didn't really matter. It would have been a punt anyway on the next play. 
and the ball tipped off of Skoranek's hands. It's kind of just bad luck. Maybe not a great pass, but it unlucky. It ended up in I I think a Wuzier's hands. So I I really good game. I felt the Rams really dominated most of it, and the score isn't nearly as close as I thought it was. So now that we've discussed the game, let's talk about some of the notes now post-game we look at. Did Cooper Cup have the greatest single receiving season ever? Yes. And I think this is a pretty clear answer. He won the Triple Crown. He won Super Bowl MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. Only one other guy has done that, Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice did that in his career. Cooper Cup did that this season. He is the most yards of all time in a singular season, if you include the playoffs, and it's not necessarily close. I think it's by like 300 yards. Yes, he had two extra games to do it, but it's not close. He had over 20 touchdowns. He, I felt like, had 3,000 receptions. Every time I turn on a Rams game, he got the ball. He won Super Bowl MVP. He made the big plays when they needed. I think about going back against the Bucs where they fell apart against Brady's Bucs until Cooper Cup showed up, made a huge catch from a huge third from Stafford, and they knocked the Bucs out, made Brady retire, and now they're Super Bowl champions. It is quite easily, in my opinion, the greatest single receiving season ever. And anyone that wants to argue it, Go look at the stats. I don't care he played extra games. I don't care it's the modern NFL. It's the greatest season ever. Period. So then let's look at some other notes of the game. There was really no bad guys in the game. That was pretty apparent by the really good ratings of the, the Super Bowl. God, I think it was up 8% this year. Netted over 100 million people, which is a big deal. So that was really nice to see them see the game grow a little bit more. And we didn't even have Brady Mahomes. We had a huge matchup last year and we had Stafford and Burrow and yet the game grossed higher than last year. It just shows the growth of the NFL and the fact that the NFL maybe got a little sick of Brady and maybe a little sick of Mahomes. It was good to see two fresh guys into the Super Bowl. Which brings me to my next note. The last 16 quarterbacks in Super Bowl history to not when their debut in the Super Bowl have never even made it back to the Super Bowl. That spells out bad news for Burrow. And I want to talk about the Bengals here in a second and Burrow, but think about that. That is amazing. That goes back all the way to the mid-90s. And you know what's amazing? I, was, I researched it. The quarterback beforehand that had lost his Super Bowl debut and had made it back to the game was Jim Kelly, and he made it back. He made the Super Bowl four times and lost all of them. So the last quarterback to make a Super Bowl debut and lose and then win a Super Bowl was John Elway. John Elway lost three Super Bowls back in the 80s and ended up winning two in the late 90s. But we have to go all the way back to John Elway to find a guy that had lost a Super Bowl debut and come back and won a Super Bowl. And we have to go all the way back to Jim Kelly to find a guy that's lost a Super Bowl debut and nonetheless make it back to a Super Bowl. So, spells out a little bit of trouble for Burrow. And given there's guys like Jimmy G in that conversation, Jared Goff, who still have years to go on him, but the point still stands. 
it, the Bengals might be in a little bit of trouble. And that brings me to my big point. I got a bold prediction next year. I don't know how bold it is, but I don't think the Bengals are going to make the playoffs. About half the teams in the NFL that make the playoffs in one year do not make it in the next. I look at this Bengals roster. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs next year. I think Burrow is going to continuously, unless some miraculous thing happens and they spend money, they're the cheapest organization, I think, in the league. Mike Brown does not spend money. They don't, don't have an indoor practice facility, so that's pretty apparent. But they there's some pieces that I think there are a couple pieces away, and I feel like they almost made a little bit of a miracle run this year. And I don't see them making back to the playoffs. I think the division gets tougher. I think they lucked out with uh, Lamar getting hurt as the bank, uh, the Ravens were eight and three at some point. And then they obviously go on the huge kid to end the year with Lamar out. You go over to Cleveland and I don't know if Baker Mayfield could be any worse than he was this year. Do I think Baker Mayfield is good? No, I think he sucks, but I don't think he could be any worse than he was. So I think they're going to be better and go over to Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh it, it just depends about who's the quarterback. Now, if Mason Rudolph's a starting quarterback, then yes, you will not finish last in, last in the division, Cincinnati. Don't worry. But if it's a guy like a Jimmy G, Jameis Winston, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis for a little bit, I, I do think they'll be a better team. They have a pretty good roster. They need to draft some offensive linemen too. But you're talking about a pretty tough division that likes to beat up on one another tremendously. And they got lucky. They lost both games this year to the Browns. Given one was week 18, nobody cared, but they lost both. They beat the Steelers both times, which you beat a dinosaur quarterback, and you beat the Ravens both times because Burrow went berserk and put up, I think, 525 yards in the second match of like 450 in the first. I don't think that's going to happen again. The Ravens had the most injuries, I felt like, of all time on that defense. So... I don't think the Bengals are going to make the playoffs next year. I'll say it. Unless they go make a big move for a guy like a, I don't know, Ryan Jensen at center sounds nice, a Brandon Sheriff at guard, a Teron Armstead at left tackle, and move your young left tackle, Jonah Williams, and maybe inside the guard or over to right tackle. If you improve the line by going to get a free agent or two and go draft in your first two rounds of lineman, then maybe I'll believe in you. But until you do that, Cincinnati, I do not. I do not believe in you to make it back to the playoffs. Now, on the flip side of things, the Rams. I think the Rams are really good, and I think they'll make it. I, I think they've got a lot of tough decisions this offseason. They need to lock up Stafford long term. He's on a contract year next year. You got to lock him up. Then once you get that contract done, you got to figure out what you're going to do with a guy like Von Miller, who's going to be a free agent. A guy like OBJ, which I know he just tore his ACL. I'd consider bringing him back, maybe on a two year cheap deal. Because he could be a nice part of that offense, and he loves playing in L.A. Maybe he can play, be an impact guy again at the end of next season or the, even the following season. Maybe. I mean, Robert Woods should be back. you got Cooper Cup. Whitworth is going to retire, which I think takes some money off the books. If their center, I think his name's Brian Allen, if, if he retires, it takes some money off the books. So you have options, and they just need to evaluate what you're going to do. they got to move some cap around. They're very thin at some positions, especially without a first and a second round pick, but you have a lot of thirds. They're projected to have nine picks this year with compensation. So if they could hit on a couple of the third round picks, maybe figure out, you know, retool the offensive line a little bit, get a little bit deeper at some 
uh, at some certain skill positions. I think they'll be in a good shape. The biggest fear for me with the Rams is genuinely the best team in the NFC, in my opinion, that plays the Rams the best is in their own division. And they're the scariest team. I think they have, I think Shanahan of the 49ers is brilliant. I love Shanahan's coach. And if Trey Lance can play, if he's a B to a B plus quarterback next year, that team is going to be hard to beat. They have a really good roster. You have the best, best left tackle in football. You have a Swiss Army knife at receiver. Brandon Ayuk's going to play better next year. George Kittle's a freak of nature. Nick Bosa's just had to come off an ACL injury, had 15 sacks. That team is loaded on both sides of the ball. And the Rams are going to have a tough two games against them next year, considering the Niners have beat them in the last six regular season matchups. They're going to have a really, really tough time beating them. And that's the thing that holds me back from making the Rams a favorite again next year is a team like the 49ers in particular, where I think the Rams are still going to make the playoffs. They're one of the seven best teams in the NFC. But I don't know if they're going to win the division and get that home playoff game that they did this year that really did help them, and then eventually getting home field advantage in the in the NFC Championship to the Super Bowl, even though it didn't really feel like home field in either. I think they're in a good spot, way better than the Bengals. I know financially the Bengals have a lot of money. I think they have $60 million cap room. The Rams don't. I rat a hundred times out of a hundred rather be in the Rams position than the Bengals because if Burrow continues to take the battering and the beating that he is right now, it's not looking good for Cincinnati. I, you do not want to have another Carson Palmer situation. You do not want to have that or an Andrew Luck where he's uberly talented and can drag a really bad roster to the promised land. However, you are taxing the amount of years of what you're going to get out of him. So they need to figure that out. They, it really does need to be figured out. The Bengals need to go out, sign a guy like Teron Armstead or Jensen or Sheriff, a big-time offensive line free agent, then go draft in your first and your second-round pick. Let's go to the Chiefs of last year. The Chiefs got blown out by the Bucks in the Super Bowl 31-9 in Super Bowl 55. Well, the Chiefs' biggest issue was Patrick Mahomes was getting slaughtered. Well, what did the Chiefs do? They go trade their first-round pick to, to the Ravens for Orlando Brown, left tackle. They go sign Joe Tooney, a really good guard, best guard in the market. They sign, they draft Creed Humphrey, who is the best rookie center and probably maybe the best offensive lineman rookie in the NFL. And almost garnered some rookie of the year votes. And then you want to got Trey Smith, who's a very respectable guard. So you got four starting pretty good offensive linemen in one offseason. I think the Bengals have to do a similar overhaul. You just watched him get killed in the pocket. He took seven sacks. That's tied for the most in NFL history in the Super Bowl. He got sacked the most times by a singular quarterback in one season, if you include the playoffs. He got sacked. 78 times Joe Burrow did. And given some are going to be on him, he does hold the ball a little long, but you cannot have your quote-unquote franchise quarterback, which I believe he is, get sacked 70-plus times a year. He's not going to last. He's already had an ACL injury. and He tore his LCL, MCL, and ACL last year, and he sprained his MCL in the Super Bowl because you're letting him get crushed by a 290-pound dude on the other side with an eight-pack. Given, I don't think many people could stop him, but 
you did a really poor job at protecting him this year. And that was the biggest reason I was down on them at the beginning of the season. And I was down on them throughout the season because I didn't think they could protect him. But Joe Burrow's good enough that he overwhelmed that, that he was able to get over that and was able to lead them to the Super Bowl. And the, the gas ran out on him. And especially when you got to the second half and they were running the package where you had, you didn't have anybody to chip a guy like Aaron Donald or Von Miller. They didn't use the running back in the blocking game in the second half, or nor did they do the, with the tight ends, which made zero sense to me. And then you end up allowing him to just get crushed. And I love Joe Burrow. I really do. But if I'm Joe Burrow, I am right now very hesitant on willing to sign a franchise deal with the Cincinnati Bengals. Look what happened to Andrew Luck. Look what happened to Carson Palmer. This is a notoriously cheap organization. I know you love the city of Cincinnati, Joe. You're from Athens, Ohio. But do not let that cloud your judgment into what is best for you as a quarterback. I would highly consider not signing an extension with the Cincinnati Bengals just yet. Now, if they get offensive linemen this year to prove that they are willing to invest and protect you. That's a different story. But until that moment happens, I would not sign an extension with the Bengals. What a great game. The NFL, what a great NFL season. We saw a lot of firsts for the biggest season ever. We saw a lot more. We saw the extra game, great Super Bowl, amazing divisional round, pretty good championship games. Overall, great NFL season. And I, I'm going to wrap up here with talking about what the future is for me talking about the NFL here and we're going to also I'm going to give it a little bit of an MLB lockout update because I got to rant again because that's just what I do all right I want to touch on what the future of me talking about the NFL is for right now now that the season is over I will be keeping up with the NFL absolutely but it'll be on a more limited basis as I hope the MLB season starts on time. That's where predominantly I'll be focused for the next couple of months. However, I will be talking big NFL news, whatever comes out. I will be talking a little bit of free agency and the big signings. I love talking mock drafts, and I plan on doing a couple of those. And I fully intend on talking about maybe just rate post-draft, stuff like that, talking about what the best rosters are at that time, maybe doing a little bit of predictions in the summer before rosters are finalized. But it's going to be a little bit more limited on the NFL sphere for the next couple month, months. I Obviously, I will talk about the big news, but it's not going to be mostly probably not predominating the episodes as the MLB season is hopefully coming upon us as – I'm going to about to get here in a second, but I just want to preface the NFL will continue to be talked about. However, it will be on a bit more of a limited basis comparatively to what it is right now. So any big news, I will be touching. I will be talking free agency. I will be talking mock drafts. I'll be talking about rosters and who I think is the best team in the league. However, let's switch gears here into the MLB lockout. What a travesty this is occurring at this moment. The MLB has already announced they are delaying spring training at least a week. I hope that's it, as the MLB PA and the MLB will meet Monday and will have meetings consecutively 
hopefully every day in long meetings, hopefully until a deal is got. And there are some aspects of the deal that have been decided, like I talked about previously with the draft lottery and the uh, universal DH, but there are some aspects that still haven't, haven't been found to be even close to one another on what they each side wants. The MLB, like a non-negotiable for them, the Super 2s and um, service time manipulation. The players still want service time manipulation to be gone, which I think it probably should be at least limited to a degree. But the big the big differences and the big takeaway I got out of this week in the meetings that they had was the MLB on their bonus pool money, which has been a big debate, and that's for players that are pre-arbitration and that would be have access to money based upon their performance. The MLB responded, the MLBPA, the MLBPA started out at 100, the MLB came back with 10, which are miles away, and then the MLB dropped down, the MLB went up to 15, the MLBPA dropped down to 80 or 85, and now the MLBPA went back to 115. That's not negotiating good faith, as you should go from one number to another number, and we should be in the middle. You shouldn't expect to get more than what you had initially bargained for. I don't think that's negotiation with upon good faith. And I know the players want to win this CBA or quote-unquote win this CBA, as apparently they've been crushed in the last couple, and it's been pretty apparent, specifically this last one with the whole free agency craziness of the last couple of years but i'm hoping this gets resolved soon i hope next week we're i'm talking right now and i'm talking about spring training starting you know right now and talking about teams signing guys like carlos correa trevor story we're talking about stuff like that but right now we're not we're kind of in limbo as there's really nothing to talk about college baseball started today which is really fun to see Landon Sims, watch out for him, a Mississippi State pitcher who was their closer last year when they won the national championship. Yeah, he just came out today through seven innings, one run, 13 strikeouts, took the loss because the kid for Long Beach State, oh, I, I don't know his name, but man, he was dealing too. But Vandy, another team to watch out for this year, Texas, Arkansas is really good. A lot of SEC teams, really good at baseball. I'm going to try to keep up with that this year and try to give you any guys that I see performing well but right now Landon Sims favorite guy to watch of today 13k seven innings blowing fastballs by everyone closer last year now trying to prove he's a starter trying to move himself into the first round of the MLB draft so there's really a lot not a lot that we could talk about right now with baseball I could talk about projections which I want to do here soon I could talk about teams and the current roster, but I'm not going to talk rosters on who's good, who's bad until the rosters are set. I will look at projections and I will say if I agree or disagree with them upon specific player projections, whether it's team projections, I think I'm going to do a whole episode on that, but I, I can't tell you right now if a team's good as like a team, let's say, I don't know a team like the Yankees. I don't know who's starting for shortstop at for them right now. I don't know. Who's, who's the third starter in certain rotations? I don't know. who. Where's Correa going? 
who's the starting shortstop for, you know, the Astros, who's this, that, or the other. There are so many question marks right now that are left up in the air because we don't have some of the bigger free agents signed. And until that happens, I can't tell you what every team looks like. Let's say Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw goes back to the Dodgers. I like the Dodgers rotation more than I like. I love the Dodgers rotation now, but I'd really love it if he's back there. Do I like the Rangers more if he goes to the Rangers? Absolutely. But until the date happens in which we get out of the lockout, which is going to be a great day, and I can start seeing the movement again of these players and start hearing about guys in camp, and I get to start seeing film of these guys, then I can give you an opinion upon what I think about each team. But right now, I really can't. I can tell you right now which teams are going to be bad and which teams are going to be good, no matter on who they sign in free agency. For example, I can tell you the Washington Nationals are going to be terrible. I think they could lose 105 games and Juan Soto could have an on-base of over 500 because no one's going to pitch to them. I can tell you that right now pretty confidently because I don't think anything they do in free agency is going to affect that. And they're not going to do anything in free agency. They're locked up in a Scherzer, or not Scherzer, they're actually paying a little bit of money. Strasburg and Corbin, they can't afford anybody else. And both Strasburg doesn't pitch Corbin socks. So I would love to talk to you right now about, you know, what each team looks like. And I would honestly love to talk to you right now about like ranking players at certain positions, which is something I've been working on, but I really can't do because I don't know who's starting where. I don't like where wherever story goes that obviously suppresses whoever was the backup wherever Correa goes to, does the same like I, can't, I know I keep bringing up those guys but it's the truth I don't know who goes where at this point does a guy like Adley Rushman start for the Orioles day one where's Bobby Wood Jr. I, I don't know these answers to these questions right now because we don't even have a spring training sample size to look at you know, who's the Rays starting rotation to start the year? Who's starting opening day for them? Who's is Patino in the rotation? Is Patino the swing guy? Do, I know we got Boz McClanahan, but every team I can go through and I have a lot of question marks at this moment on who's doing what. So for me to try to rank guys at positions right now is stupid. I can't rank a guy based upon the fact that I haven't seen him at one at all play, nor do I know if they're even going to be the starter on that team. Right now, Gio Urshela is the starting shortstop for the Yankees. Am I supposed to rank him as a shortstop, or am I supposed to wait until a guy like, or if a guy like Story gets there, or a guy like Correa, or like, and I, I know I'm talking about the Yankees a lot, but even like a guy like Luke Voigt, is Luke Voigt the starting first baseman for the Yankees, or is it Matt Olson, Anthony Rizzo? Where's Anthony Rizzo going to go? So whose position he's is he taking? He's going to the Red Sox, and then I don't count Bobby Dalbeck, but what about Tristan Casas in the minors? And now that we have the DH in the National League, I don't know who's doing that at the moment. I mean, we still got guys like Nelson Cruz on the market, which his market just expanded. So there's a lot of question marks right now, and that's kind of my whole point here is, can we get out of this lockout so I can give get some answers? I would love to be talking baseball right now, and I'd love to be discussing which team's good and which a position of need and who needs to go get what free agent, who who needs to go get a certain reliever, who needs to go fix their backup catching position. But I can't right now. And it sucks. It really sucks. And that's why I've been utterly disgusted right now by the MLB and the MLBPA and the lack of momentum in which we're getting. And 
I've been an optimist throughout this entire process, as I know it's a part of labor negotiations, and I understand that. And I'm still praying that we get get a full 162. And we might get an expanded playoff. That could change my view on a lot of teams. Is I, They might be a fringe playoff team in the current system, but they might be a pretty firm playoff team in the new system. I don't know. I don't know what rules are coming about. This I, I There's a lot of things that I need to f- find out from when this collective bargaining agreement's upon. And I hope we play the full 162, because if we don't, then I'm going to be super disappointed. I will be super disappointed if we end up missing baseball games because of this. And I know the MLB, the MLB itself wants an expanded playoffs. And the players said, unless you can guarantee us a full 162 this year, we're not doing your expanded playoffs to make you guys more money. So if we're gonna, so if we're changing the fundamentals of the game itself, that would be a nice thing to know at this point. Other than the fact that we don't know which players are in what positions on what teams. So expect rankings upon each position. I want to go through every position one by one. I want to talk about who's better overall. I'm going to give updates on things. I want to talk about full rosters and what team's good. But right now I can't. So I just want to leave it on the note as I don't know what the next episode is going to be about. I guess a lot of it depends upon what the MLB does in the next following couple of days. So I'm hoping we see an agreement sooner than later so I can get back to talking about something. But for right now, maybe expect something that's news that's already been out or analyzing something that doesn't involve the current state of baseball. Again, not a lot of NFL coming big news. Well, actually a lot of NFL might be coming if the MLB doesn't get it back together. So Maybe I'll go back on all all of what I just said as it might be a very much a heavy football show for now on if the MLB doesn't end up happening or anything. But if that happens, then you biggest college baseball fan around right here. So we'll figure it out. We will see what the net following we'll see what the week holds for us and let's hope labor negotiations end up working out we end up getting a deal done so until next time thanks for listening see ya